Welcome to episode 25 of Get the Right Job. I'm Jeff Magnuson. Today's show, we're going to talk about seasonal roles and how you can turn temporary jobs into permanent spots in your company. Does the term references available upon request matter anymore? What do you do when a job description says no emails? In other words, they don't want you to email them regarding that position. Annual reviews, what to look out for and how to prepare for them. Many people out there during this time of year get seasonal or temporary work in various retailers and other places because of the holiday shopping season. A lot of these jobs are by design and are only temporary. And for people who are out of work or people who are looking to pick up some extra cash, they can be a great way to earn some income, fill some gaps, make some connections, stay sharp, whatever it might be, whatever it is you're looking for. And in some instances, these temporary jobs or even seasonal jobs can be leveraged into full-time positions. Of course, this is never guaranteed, but if you show when you are in these positions that you are a hard worker, that you're able to learn very quickly, that you possibly outwork some of the people who are there who are full-time or some of the other seasonal or temporary workers, then you can certainly put yourself in a position to be considered or to at least be remembered for future full-time positions. This may sound kind of obvious, but it's all about how you conduct yourself during the time. I'm not saying to suck up to people. I'm not saying to go around other people's backs or stab people in the back or anything like that. I'm simply talking about working hard, showing the people who are in charge that you can be reliable, dependable, a fast learner, because that will go a long way. Hiring is difficult. I've talked about this many times, and it's still relevant. Hiring is tough at all levels. And it's possible in some organizations that the full-time people there maybe aren't cutting it. You're brought in and essentially given a chance to show yourself. That's the type of energy that you can bring in. Don't come in thinking this is a finite position, so whatever. I'm just going to, you know, do my job, collect my paycheck and leave. If you really want to try to leverage this into something else, then showing up thinking that this is an internship or this is a trial period, you will bring more energy to the role. Because even if it doesn't lead to something else, you will still gain a lot of valuable knowledge. You may make a contact or two. You may have a reference or two for when you start to look for your next role. So approach those roles with as much seriousness as you would as if you were given a trial or as if you were hired full-time, because it will only benefit you in the medium to longer term. I recently had a question whether we have to put references available upon request at the bottom of our resumes anymore? And the answer is no. This is something that was done many, many, many years ago. It was commonplace to put it. 
but it's so commonplace that people know to ask. You don't have to state it and use that space. But you do want to make sure if you are actively job searching, you want to line up two to four references, professional references preferred over personal as in friends and so on. Anybody you've worked with doesn't doesn't have to be a manager. Could have been a vendor you worked with. It could have been somebody else in the company you've worked with. Ideally, if you can get somebody with a job title above yours, that's even better. Obviously, be very careful about asking anybody you currently work with because that could jeopardize your standing at a company. You have to make sure you trust them like 150%. That's pretty rare in most cases, but you can use people who maybe no longer work at the company or you've worked with in the past. It's fine. You want to let them know, hey, I'm actively job searching. Is it okay if I use you as a reference? And how would you like to be contacted? Let them answer. Maybe they'll say, here's my email or here's my phone number. If they give you both, use both. And that way you can present that to a company once there is mutual interest. So if a company is asking for references on your application before you've even spoken to somebody, simply put, references will be made available once there is mutual interest. Because you don't need a company calling your references if they're not going to even interview you. You don't want to waste your references time or anybody else's time for that matter. So once you interview and they say, okay, we're going to do a background and a reference check, great. Hand over your references. Let your references know that they may receive a call from company XYZ. You've just interviewed for this role. And you can tell them a little bit about the role and remind them what you did with them at the previous job that you would like them to focus on if asked. There's nothing wrong with that. You're just making their life easier as opposed to them saying, yeah, she's great or she's a hard worker. Remind them what you did or what you worked on together so they can be specific when referring you. The next question has to do with job descriptions that say no emails, meaning they don't want you to email anybody in the company about the job or the role or anything else. From this point on, you can ignore that. A lot of these job descriptions are written by either recruiters, internal recruiters, or human resources professionals. And a lot of people do wind up emailing HR or these recruiters or the person who posted the job, say, on LinkedIn to inquire about the role or to send their resume and cover letter to that person. That's the problem. You don't want to contact them. You want to contact the hiring manager. So if you're looking for a finance position and you're a manager level, you want to look for a senior manager or a director or maybe an associate director, depending upon the size of the company. You want to find the person who has the real need for you on their team. That is not HR or a recruiter. They're in between you and the hiring manager. So if you apply online, that's fine. That's not your primary way you should be applying, as I've discussed, because the return is very low. But once you do, you can still 
And you should reach out to the hiring manager, either through the mail, if they're working in an office, or through LinkedIn using the email feature to say, hi, Joe, I just applied to the finance manager position. I've attached my resume and cover letter for your reference. I'd love to speak with you more about this position. That way, you're letting him know that you're interested in this role. Your cover letter will demonstrate why you are interested, what you can bring to the table, and why he should interview you over somebody else or along with other people. That's it. You are trying to increase your chances of getting an interview with the right person. He may not be interested. He may delete it. He may forward it to HR and say, take a look. He may reach back out to you directly. He may tell HR to add you to the interview. You don't know. But the point is, you'd rather have the decision maker have his or her eyeballs on your cover letter and resume as opposed to some computer or HR or recruiter making decisions about a role they may not be as familiar with as the hiring manager. So when it says no emails, just ignore it. Just make sure you're emailing the right person. And the last topic I want to talk to you about this time of year, it's early December, are annual reviews. They come around typically once a year. It's why they're called annual reviews. Some companies do it quarterly. Some do it uh, semi-annually. Either way, you want to be ready for these meetings. And it's really a good indication for you to assess whether this company is still worth your time or not. Because annual reviews should never be a surprise. At a minimum, just be a formalization of your performance, your conduct over the last year, quarter, half year, whatever it is, in a formal meeting or documented. That's it. There should not be any surprises. You should not have a manager or somebody else dredging up something that happened six months ago, but they never talked to you about talking about some nitpicky issue that reared its head back in February that they never talked to you about, mentioning how your work maybe hasn't been up to par, but they never gave you that feedback along the way. That's toxic. That's sabotage. It's happened to me in the past. It's happened to people who I know in the past. It happens to clients all the time. It's a cowardly way for managers to try to utilize and execute some control over their employees and prevent a raise or a bonus or a promotion. You have to look out for this. Good companies, this will be a non-event. It'll be very straightforward. Yeah, here's everything we talked about. You know, you've, you've made some progress. I know we talked about X, Y, and Z issue middle of the year. You did a great job fixing that up. You've done a nice job with this, that, and the other thing. And that's it. Maybe you set goals for the following year. Every company's different. Every review is different. But it should not be any type of shocking news. Chances are, if you're having an annual review, you had some input into your performance because, of course, you know best about how your last year went. So when you go to those meetings, you want to make sure that you have or at least are familiar with everything notable 
that you did over the past year? Any projects you led, any major achievements, obviously focus on the positive stuff, be open-minded about things you can do better. We all have them. And just listen. Chances are you'll get a chance to respond if something is off. You don't want to be overly sensitive during the meeting. You want to take it in and digest it all and maybe set up a following meeting the next day or two days later after you've had a chance to digest everything. And if something is amiss or if something is flat out inaccurate, then you can sit down and calmly go over it with your manager to explain what the issues are. Maybe the manager made a mistake. You can give him or her the benefit of the doubt before you accuse anybody of doing something wrong or trying to sabotage you. You want to at least talk through it if something negative that you don't agree with comes up. But nevertheless, it's a great way for you to assess the company and you're standing in it based on your happiness and fulfillment level. So if it's a non-issue, everything's great, the review was fair, and you have goals for next quarter or next year, and you're happy there, great. And you're paid fairly, great. If they're using the review in a suspect way, and maybe they've done it before, that's the sign of a really dysfunctional culture or at least a pretty poor manager, and it may be time for you to update your resume, update LinkedIn, and start to poke around to see if there are other opportunities in 2022. I'm not saying make a knee-jerk reaction, but you the point is you want to pay very close attention to how you are treated during these reviews because I've seen them done well, personally experienced it, And I've seen them done very poorly and personally experienced that as well. And it's a direct reflection of the culture. If you have any questions on this or any other topic, please drop me a line on my website, jeffmagnusonconsulting.com. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you at the next episode.